Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. Propaganda is the show where we find out what's been said about Leeds United. Welcome along, Dan, with Michael Normanson and Moscow White, Daniel Chapman as well. Uh, usual trio in the chairs. Look out for Propaganda Extra TSB Plus members, by the way, on your podcast feeds and on the website as well. Bonus bits of propaganda, all the stuff that we can't fit into. We've got two shows. We've got the Leeds half of the propaganda where we find out what you thought about Leeds' sensational performance against Chelsea. And then also the Chelsea half, which I think is the one that everyone's really, really looking forward to. This week. Show's brought to you by Levi Solicitors, by the way. 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Right. So let's uh, explain to the viewer, to the listener, exactly where we are with this show. The leads, half of the reaction. How does this come about? People send in loads of stuff, as it turns out this week. On Absolutely. Tape. Have you got all the tape? Lots of tapes. The tapes. Oh, I've barely got room for them all. I've got one of those. Um, Little stands, you know, slot them all in. So I've got a CD one too, but I've only got like three CDs. Oh, yeah, posh. And I'm just, just building my collection. So how do we get people to send um, the tapes in? It's uh, our TSB Plus members who uh, listen to the match ball and then are invited to send in their comments. There's a button you press uh, on the website, which is on the is on the live video match for the match ball, isn't it? It's there. Explain it better than I can, Moscow. Go to the menu, look at Talk Towards TSB. <laughs> Push the button. I mean, it's it, our listeners are intelligent people. More intelligent than I am. should say to our listeners as well, hi to David and Lee, who we bumped into from Athlone in Ireland um, on Sunday night in Leeds, uh, who came and said hi. You a big fan of Athlone, Michael? Yep. Very much so, yeah. Favourite lock in the area? It's That is. Yes. Uh, have you got one? Uh, Yale. No. Locks. No. It's it's on the sheet. He's oh. ruining your own bloody joke. No, it's not my joke. You're, you're, trying to, you're, trying to, you're trying to write jokes for me. Someone needs to. Do you mean... Uh, do you mean uh, Luffery? I think it's Lock, but yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> how you spell Lock. Uh, yeah, is it your favourite of all the lakes on the Shannon? Uh, yes, that's Good. Well, so. I'm glad you executed that joke well. As part of the feedback as well, we get our TSB Plus members to score the players and the manager for the performance at the weekend. Moscow, talk us through the numbers. Everybody did better than the Southampton game across the board. Marsh is probably the big headline because the poor fella got a four out of ten against Southampton because he didn't make any subs. And against Chelsea, he made five subs. That's, so all, that's all of them. All of them. Every sub he could possibly make, whether we needed them or not. And so it is no coincidence that he got up to a 9.52 so, out of 10. Well done, Jesse Marshall. So that's high. That's great. He was only bettered, in fact, by the TSB Plus player of the match, 
who I was quite surprised he managed to um, nick this, but then I noticed uh, Sky had given it to him as well. But Jackie Harrison got 9.58, just ahead of, I thought, because he's exciting, new, and he's got curly hair and he's nice, uh, Brendan would have nicked it, but he got 9.51. Point zero one less than Jesse Marsh. That's very close. And so, Adam's uh, 9.47, so nothing really to split any of them at the top no. end of that. And uh, both Rodrigo and Melier got over nines as well. They Pl- did. Uh, plenty hovering around eight as well. Cock and Urente both scored highly. Strauch as well. Rocker. Sinistera, the- pathetic. Sell him. Well, <laughs> yeah. Sinistera got lowest overall, but substitute, uh, you have to make allowances. Lowest starter, poor old Rasmus, 7.42. And even then, that's dead good. If, yes. I got, if, if somebody mm. scored me a 7.42 out of 10 every week, I'd be happy with that. Definitely. And I think I assume the subs... Received high scores for just coming on and hysterically fouling people well, relentlessly. Click has managed to get 7.85 um, and a lot of that will just be because he, he managed to upset Thomas Tuchel. So <laughs> he would work all around. He was excellent, by the way. If, if you, did you watch any of it back? Because I've watched the full game back. I've watched the highlights a thousand times. I've watched the, the three-minute Premier League Sky Sports clip about fifteen to 20,000 times now. All good fun. Spot new things every time. Little things like uh, I started watching the crowd, you know, when Aronson taps it in. Mm. If you watch the crowd. If you look, people start jumping up and down just for half a second because they know what's going to happen. It hasn't quite happened yet. So just between him nicking the ball off um, Mendy's toe and putting it in the net, people start pogoing in the south stand just before it erupts. It's brilliant. Mendy was doing that as well, in fairness. Yes. For yeah. different reasons, I think. He was, yes. Um, should we get to the submissions that have been sent then? Have we got the uh, the C90, the tape player, uh, all fired up and ready to go? Bless me, Luke's done well because he's, he's only 18 and he sent in a submission. You can probably tell that his was sent in on the Sunday evening. Yep. And I think he'd had a I think he'd had a nice day. Wow, what a fucking day. <laughs> Eighteen years old, Ellen Road for you know basically a fucking slammer. Who knows at this point? <laughs> I fucking love it. I think that's the best one of the lot. I love it all. I fucking love it. I love Marsh, the fucking dick. <laughs> I love that little scum bastard. I love Rodrigo, the fucking world's greatest striker in the in place. I love that little Yank Badger, fucking out, running the place. Tyler Adams, fucking, fucking flag on him. Oh, what a man. Fucking, I've never, I've always loved America. Who want, who want, who want, tell me who want, fucking hell. What a fucking day. <laughs> that is outstanding. Oh, to be 18 again and having a day like that. Brilliantly pissed. I mean, I had a great day and I'm in my 40s, but um, Luke sounds like he's had the day that I wish I had. <laughs> the little Yank Badger, are we assuming that's Aronson? Yes. It must be, yeah. He mentioned he mentioned Marsh and Adams by name. Yes. <laughs> what, Badger? I don't know. No, it suits him. Yeah. He's right. Although I suppose... we'll, add him to the, we'll add it to the list. We've got Big Pirate, Yank Badger. Little scum bastard. I, um, Jesse Marsh might not want to adopt the fucking dick. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> as, it was done affectionately. As, it was done affectionately and that was, that is the way you say it to your mate at the end of an evening as well. Yeah. So it was it was very nice, was that? I mean, an American badger is a little different to a a European badger. I think the less common. Maybe a raccoon is more appropriate, but we'll go with badger. Excellent. Thanks for that, Moscow. Uh, on to the next one. And who's this? This is Reverse Cowgirl. A very short message, but again, sent in on Sunday night. Hi, Reverse Cowgirl here. Can't really send a message because my throat is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Just capturing what it was. It's, that's exactly how it felt, wasn't it? That's exactly how it felt. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how old Reverse Cowgirl is or was. She sounds like she's been on the woodbines quite a lot. Yes, I'm, I'm sure in, uh, that isn't Jane, the, the cowgirl from, from before. Luke's 18, Reverse Cow. I'm guessing fairly young. 
and West End Ralph I know is in his um, in his early 20s as well but I think it just captures nicely that like young people enjoying Leeds United and seeing us beat someone good yeah I mean you forget don't you that you've, you've got old and Leeds haven't been like Premier League good for a long time mm. I think that was part of um, the joy and the watershed feeling about what happened on Sunday was the sense that it's actually been a bloody long time since we were operating at the level that we operated at on Sunday it was brilliant should we hear from Ralph then what a day of football just got back into my hotel room after a very quiet train down to London. A uh, very funny train down to London. Can we make this the norm? Like, fun day out of the football. It's weird. Michael alluded to the fact that I don't think we've ever been in Chelsea. Uh, definitely not in my lifetime. And what the fuck was that thrusting by Marsh? It was like 10 minutes to go and he's giving it like full penis vibes to the team. I mean, it was it was a thrusty day. I did see West End Ralph at the end of the match. He did look a little distraught. <laughs> what had been going on? Someone did suggest we should make um, we should make more of of Jesse's jeans, his tight jeans. Mm. It might have even been my mum. Apologies if it's not, but someone said we should talk more about his jeans. Is your mum does she like them? Maybe she maybe she does. He looks is he good nick, isn't he? In fairness, for a, for a middle aged man, there was a, a a moment I think probably in the first half I was looking at the pair of them, him and Tuchel, both um, really poured their legs into some very tight strides um, and it was sort of impressive but then yeah only for a moment really I want to see you in skinny jeans Moscow you don't no I do you're a similar physique to Tuchel I would say in you're some a, places you're a long man yeah that's, that's what true. I'm saying a long thin man yeah excellent um, onto the atmosphere then Simon sent his uh, his tape in are you going to press play on the tape machine there Michael players were absolutely phenomenal yesterday and I don't think I can say any more than has already been said about that. But its atmosphere at the stadium was absolutely brilliant. Nothing since Champions League days that have we had an atmosphere like that. Absolutely brilliant how that crispness of that marching on together towards the end of the game. And when was the last time we had an absolute, let's go fucking mental like that? Absolutely brilliant. Let's hope this is the start of something big. And 3-0 against Chelsea. Fucking brilliant. Let's have it. <laughs> I love the croaky, all the croaky voices. <laughs> it's like we can all totally, I think, uh, relate to that. It was brilliant, wasn't it? As, just, as a shared experience. Mm. So that's what it was to me. I, I went away and reflected on it. And it's just that, that sense of oneness. When Ellen Road is as one and it's not bitchy and catty, it's just magic, isn't it? Days like that are just magic. And I'm going to remember it for years to come. I think watching it back as well and all the clips of the people doing the mental and everything, like people in the West Stand doing it, people yeah. in the East Stand doing it. There was... Um, it's not actually included in the clips, but there was a some YouTuber was up on the in the East Upper with his dad. He was a Chelsea fan. His dad was a Leeds fan, and it was even like bouncing up there. And the East Upper is a, a it was, it's a it's a fully corporate area. And it was now. built very cheaply. <laughs> yeah, it's not meant for that. That's the level <laughs> don't of stress. Po, don't pogo on it. That's where Peter Ridsdale got um, the criticism when that the letters went out about people standing in seating areas. He said, "In he said we can understand it in moments of high excitement." Was always the thing that was held against him. We're like, well, there aren't any. It's bloody Leeds. There's never any high excitement. He's like, people in the East Upper are at great risk of toppling off if people are jumping up and uh, celebrating during a game so everybody needs to sit down. People are like, nobody in the East Upper is standing up anyway. So it seemed like a waste of time from Peter's perspective. But now, there you go. And the the Champions League mention is interesting because I, um, the performance on Sunday felt quite O'Leary-ish in that it was energy and um barnstorming barnstorming yeah and then and it's kind of a a way of you know when we've looked back at some of those games when we've done the extra bold and stuff 
you watch some of the football and you think, oh, well, like, was it as good as we remember? But it generated atmosphere and momentum in the stadium and victories. Like, we would beat Chelsea just by, not by having... It's force of will. Yeah, we yeah. didn't have, when we beat Chelsea in the in the O'Leary era, we didn't, probably didn't have a player as good as Marcel Dessay, although Lucas Radaby, if he'd been fit, obviously would have um, knocked him into an old hat. But it's that there was always like kind of a um, a disparity in terms of like quality of players. We were trying to get to the level of those Champions League teams, but we would just beat them anyway. And there was a real kind of feeling about of that in the performance on Saturday, where it's uh, Sunday. Sorry, that kind of you know they've got all their hundreds of millions of players, but we're Leeds and we'll just beat them. I think it was the look. Thinking back on it, I think it might be the last time we've beaten an actual properly good side at Ellen Road with a crowd in since. Like beating scum in the Venables era because I don't think we I don't recall us ever beating Arsenal or Liverpool or Chelsea or scum again after that before yeah. before relegation and that, there's obviously been massively important games at Ellen Road in well we're going to have mention of the Huddersfield one in a bit but the you know the the Bristol game to get us up and there've been some really big occasions there but we've never actually been beating a good side whereas Chelsea Champions League winners a couple mm-hmm. of years ago and you know they will be in the top four this season and we dicked them we didn't just scrape a victory either it was it the way we did it. It felt almost relaxed in a way that, I mean, I'm as stressy as anyone when we're in the lead thinking, oh, this is going to go wrong. But it, we were never really under the cosh, were we? It's not like no. Melier was making loads of saves. They were offside every time they, they created an opportunity. So it was it was kind of all right. Yeah, and the, the speed... And very funny. The, yeah, the, <laughs> the speed at which we got the two goals as well. I think it was kind of open for a bit at the start, wasn't it? And you thought we could be in for a long day here when Sterling first broke through, you know, early doors. And he probably should have scored. So credit to, uh, to Melier for the work that he did um, and the defenders as well. But then as soon as we got in front and then to sort of build on it and go two in front immediately afterwards, proper hammer blow stuff that, isn't it? And and two nil, obviously, just by definition, is more comfortable than one nil. Yeah, and then the the third and the sending off, it was just a full it was just a full party by then and clicks on just knocking Tiago Silva about just for a laugh. Joffy did as well. Yeah. And the two shall go mental on the sideline because they can't get it out of defence because we just keep kicking them. It, it was just so much fun. Yeah. It was it was a perfect day, wasn't it? As I think we said on the match ball. Like even down to the fact that the sun was shining. Uh, it was just just a really, really nice fun day. And Sham sent his tape in. Moscow got it exactly spot on. The most happy it's been in Ellen Road since Luke Ayling twat badger that one in against the dog botherers pre-COVID. Absolutely joyous. Twat badgered. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Not yank badgered. Nope. Twat badgered. Bit of a theme running through all these. Yeah. It's a, it's um COVID robbed us of a lot, didn't it? But we got um we got a little bit back on Sunday, I think. And, and thinking back to times that have been good, probably the mo- the best previous moment I can remember against Chelsea is Becchio's goal, because that was a great moment. Four house, and I was top of the East Stand for that. I was on the absolute back row. The Millwall game? Uh, no, Chelsea. 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 Sorry, Chelsea. All right. They did, yeah. they did so, go on to Spankers quite five, badly. 5-1, <laughs> exactly. So it's kind of, that's the, the difference we've gone from clinging to I mean I still love that goal and still vividly remember how great that was and Becchio's celebration was wonderful but it's a real brief moment but going from that in whenever that was like 2012 to 2022 when we are getting a 90 minute 3-0 win that's 10 years Moscow let's not dwell on that bloody hell Becchio should still be playing for us as well shouldn't he if only if there was any justice in the world uh, he's hawking off uh, apartments in Mallorca for rent these days on his Twitter. I noticed the other day, Luciano. Yeah. Oh, would you go and stay in? A, it looked really a nice. Holiday rental. He said something like it's a, uh, it's it's private information. I don't know if he'd meant to. Do, it's like a very strange tweet. Yeah, I saw that. I yeah, think yeah. he meant you should direct, you should DM him for more info. But he was like, 
it sounded like you were, information. You, it sounded like it was a secret, didn't it? Yeah, I have this uh, apartment for sale. But uh, don't tell anyone. I have this apartment for rent. Private information. On the theme of a... Like two shells cabin in the woods. On the theme of a lovely day out, Bobby Eyebrows sent this tape in. What an absolute dream of a day today has been. Honestly, from the kickoff to everything, first few minutes, a little bit fucking flaky, and then we just fucking dominated, dominated, dominated. Jesse got it right. The players delivered how we wanted them to deliver. We are fucking going to win this league. <laughs> Come on, march on together. <laughs> that one's got too carried away, have they? It's great. Uh, that's good because in both in name and uh, speech, Bobby Eyebrows started there like uh, the best um, stand-in presenter of Rainbow, you could imagine. Um, but by the end, when it's just swearing and talking about dominating, it's like, uh, you know... Rainbow, another Gen Z reference for the, for the kids. <laughs> Bungle will be... Th- trying to uh, take the glass of whiskey out of his hand. Uh, Calm down, Bobby. Yeah, it was excellent. It kind of just, just gradually, but in a fun way, deteriorated that one, didn't it? So uh, thank you for that, Bobby Eyebrows. On to some Jackie praise, because he was he was brilliant. And he's he's quietly been brilliant this season as Jackie, hasn't he? I wouldn't say it's been that quiet. What, how, scoring well, goals, assists not quite, every game? Not quietly. It feels like maybe we don't appreciate just how good he is. And it's mm. like you... Jackie's just out there doing Jackie things, being Jackie, and then you look at the stats afterwards and go, bloody hell, he's contributed to everything. He's a really good player. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's um, he's he's definitely stepped up this season though, because there were bits of, I mean, there's always been bits of Jackie where you you watch him for a spell of games and you're like, oh, I'm not very, I'm not quite sure he does, he's not consistent enough, and he'll have little moments where he'll bring a ball down and he'll do something brilliant, but then there are other times when he's just not involved, and so far he's not had an off day this season. I mean, maybe the slightly. I mean, I don't know if I'm doing him a disservice by saying this, but the slightly simplified game plan helps him a little bit because if in doubt, you hit the penalty spot. So he knows that when he gets it on the left, as long as he puts a ball in early, if he's under instructions to play it early, and it strikes me like from looking at how the wide forwards tended to play, and Dan James did this a couple of times, you get the ball, and once you've got in a good position, you go early and hit the penalty spot. Well, yeah, that's it. The goal, the third goal came from Harrison passing to Rodrigo, and then Rodrigo absolutely punting the ball um, about... (laughs) like way too far in front of Dan James, but then realising, oh, he's really fucking fast. So him and uh, Rodrigo and Harrison then sprint into the penalty area. And where uh, did Dan James put it as well? If you looked where he, he chipped it towards? The penalty spot Yeah, where we had Harrison. So Aronson went for it first. Rodrigo couldn't get a good connection. Harrison's there to put it in. And it's the difference. It's the width thing. So previously we would have a cross from the left touchline and if it didn't hit anybody in the middle, we would have a winger on the right touchline, would get the ball and we'd cross it again. And that was one of the ways that we penned teams back because we would keep picking the ball either side and pinging it in. And the idea was, with them being so wide, you are taking defenders out of the middle and leaving room for Pat Bamford has got all the time and space. So you pick him out and he scores, ideally. The difference, the different approach here is James is crossing from the edge of the penalty area and we've got all our forward players are heading for the six-yard box, taking all the defenders in there with them. So there isn't the space and there's not like the opportunity to get like, you're not picking out a clean header with room and time to pick a spot. You're aiming for what happened with that goal, which is Aronson is close to it. Rodrigo scuffs it. Harrison is there to put it in. So you've got three opportunities. And if they don't happen, do it. One of the defenders, it could ping in off them. So it's a different way of creating a different kind of chance. But that's the, the the sense of us bringing the wingers all the way in. And it does suit Jackie, I think, because Harrison's always suffered a bit from expectations of his 
final ball being kind of beyond what even good Premier League wingers can deliver. I think I I did an analysis at one point to see how he was comparing to all the Premier League wingers and his uh, like his cross success rate was not markedly worse than anybody else. It was about one in two, and it's fine. Well, part of his style and and is he takes a few more. He's a bit more willing to just go like, I can't get out of this situation. I'm just going to stick it in the box. And he's always had that like, I can't do anything really precisely. So I'll just stick it in and see if anything happens. And that works a bit better for him now because there will be three people in there instead of it would be Pat Bamford saying, well, I'm, don't expect me to move three feet, Jacqueline. Uh, that ball is way too uh, far away from me. So um, it all works pretty well together. But he was great on Saturday, uh, Sunday. I don't know why I think the game was on Saturday. It felt like a Saturday. My favourite bit yeah. was him um, beating two players on the touchline by falling over and then uh, getting the ball up as he recovered his yeah. his stumble. That well, was Pete enjoyed class. that as well, and he even went to the trouble of recording it on a tape and posting it to Michael so he could play it on the show. Pete knows his stuff. I just wanted to say, how about that moment where Harrison was headed towards the line, three Chelsea players chasing him? It looked like he almost deliberately fell over, almost through their legs. They were gone. Stood up, off he goes. Harrison is amazing this season. The team were fantastic yesterday. Sounds like, is that, is that Australia? I, I think it's because it's on the, I think it must have been some magnets on the train, on the plane over or something. Ah, it's ruined the tape a little it's bit. It's ruined the tape a little bit. Again, credit to the, to the postal services for getting it to yeah, us on time. So, um, and I think moments like that on the weekend really added to it as well. Like the bit early on when Aronson turned Koulibaly, little bits like that really get the crowd going as well, where everyone goes, Way and it's it just builds that atmosphere I think and and Jackie doing that was another one where you think oh he's lost it and then you, he he somehow staggers on and it ends up with the ball in their half. Yeah, it helped from two angles. One because you couldn't imagine the Chelsea players just didn't see him up for trying to like battle their way through something like that. And then uh, Bali on Aronson was great because seeing a player that you know is a is a pest on your team getting clotheslined for no reason. Um, just gets the crowd up. So they, they really, Chelsea just let themselves be played to quite a large extent. Is that because they're a bunch of chumps, Moscow? Well, Thomas Tuchel will tell you that it was um, nothing to do with Leeds United, so it must have just been down to them being a bunch of chumps. Yes. Right, Henry sent the tape in as well. Jack Harrison. He, at the start of the season, when there were the rumours with Newcastle, and a lot of people, including me, were like, yeah, take 30 and run. But I tell you what, you look at that player and the way he's been performing this season, his goals, his assists, his creativity, his touch, you think, are we going to buy a player for less than £30 million for that? Probably not. Gareth Southgate has some thinking to do. I very much enjoyed the uh, addition of the, the parrot of the budgie there. The budgie, in the background, yeah. Background, yeah. In the yeah. Background, yeah. Is, you, I mean, you are a, a bird expert. Am I? I believe so. Okay, yes. Um, as well as your coaching yes. prowess. What are, are bird experts called? Um, it's... Uh, uh, um, I know you're, not, you're just testing me. Yeah. And an a not an aviation, an aviation, an aviation expert. Yeah, a that's bird, it. Yeah. A bird expert, aviation yeah. expert. I right. that was a budgie. Yes, <laughs> correct. That's that's why the cage bird sings because Jackie Harrison should play for England. So exactly what Mayor Angeli was getting at. Phil said on uh, one of the shows I think this week, like 22 million they've bid. Their second bid is 22, and first one was something like 17. Newcastle, go away. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, he's a. Vital part of the team now, isn't he? Yeah. You'd, you'd probably, if you're listing, getting your names on the team sheet first of all, he's probably, he's certainly in the first five, I would say at the moment. I saw um, there was some, you know, fans just sort of idly tweet about how they expect to sign a footballer. Mm-hmm. It was a Newcastle fan, somebody that re, a Leeds fan retweeted it. 
suggesting, oh, well, we'll just we'll just do it next year. It's like, no, you won't. No, we'll just do it. like they they can just walk in and buy anybody they want because they think they've got bottomless pots of money. I mean, that's the Chelsea model. Yeah, when it has worked. I mean, I mean, well from. I mean, they may well come in next year, but they should be paying if we get him on a new contract, which we bloody well should for a change. Pays a hundred million. Yeah, I mean, it's always a good indication because the way we we kind of hyperanalyze our own players is often, you know, doesn't bring out the best of them. So you, you're watching every single Jackie Harrison cross and whether it meets a player or not. But then you watch match of the day and Wilf Saha, you only see the ones that work and you think, oh, well, he's, he's loads better. But then when a club like Newcastle that wants to be leapfrogging us into the, the Champions League places, even after finishing above us last season, wants him and thinks he can improve them, even if they are putting in joke bids, then it should give you a pause to think, actually, yeah. He looks like an Eddie Howe type of player. Something. It's, a, it's a sort of similar thing with, I know, Dan James hasn't ascended to the kind of the Jackie Harrison levels of achievement. He's only played like one and a half games this season as well. But then when there's all, Spurs seem constantly interested in him and we're interested in Harrison last season as well. And it's kind of like, well, a lot of Leeds fans don't see it and it's understandable. But then you, you've got to think, well, what does Spurs see in Dan James that makes them think he can help them get into the Champions League, even if it's as a um, as a squad player, and it should give us like pause of maybe they're better than we think we think they are. Mick has sent in a message actually, which essentially is just highlighting what a set of idiots Leeds fans are, <laughs> which is including us probably in a nice way, though. In a, in a very nice way. In a yes. nice way. I was listening back to a few of the old square balls there uh, oh, from no. the first Bielsa season. Mistake and. <laughs> The idea that Jack Clark was a better prospect than, than Jack Harrison, not Jackie Harrison at the time. How wrong any of us can be about football. Sitting here, we're after going 3-0 up. Leeds fucking United. <laughs> I think that's how a lot of people felt about it on Sunday. Although time plays its part as well, because Harrison in his first season was not the Harrison we're looking now. And I, I noticed um, as part of the kind of the outpouring of uh, USA-ness after... USA-ness. I don't, that's not I don't a phrase. That's how it's I no, it is. That's, that's, a, um, that's a word in the dictionary. There was one kind of uh, sort of desperate sports media tweet that was, does um, Jesse Marsh, Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson and Jack Harrison's success in the Premier League show that MLS is a great league now? I was like... He's from Stoke, isn't he? Well, exactly. And when Harrison left MLS... He couldn't get into a Tony Pulis team at Middlesbrough. Admittedly, that's possible because he had too much skill. But um, he didn't come to Leeds looking like a, a world beater. Um, and it's to Harrison's credit, I think everybody recognises the amount of the mind-bending amount of work he puts in. Sickening, actually. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. really hard to watch. Um, <laughs> but he has uh, got himself to this position from that. But there's no way he... I think it was probably, you know, don't listen back to all podcasts and listen to us going like, I mean... We'll oh, coming in here with your hindsight, well done. Remember the... Uh, Idiots. The Ryan Edmondson <laughs> versus Pat Bamford debates from Bielsa's first season as well. Why why won't he put Ryan Edmondson in the team? <laughs> the Tyler um, Roberts versus Pat Bamford debate. Well, I mean, that was a realistic one. Mm. But uh, all those things. And the same, you know, Jack Clark. I suppose that, that then says the light of what I was saying about Dan James. You look at Dan James and say, well, why does Spurs want him? Then you remember Jack Clark, and he's got like, let's just take the money. <laughs> Some players just do go on weird trajectories. I mean, look at like Deli Alley, like Everton are trying to offload him already because Frank's uh, so bloody arrogant that he thought he could fix him. I can fix him. No, you can't. You're an idiot. You've got no emotional uh, intelligence. Go away. It's a very, 
means. I said it? Frank like he was my friend then. He's not. Your best buddy, Frefra. Yeah, my BFF, my best friend, Frank. Frella. Uh, speaking of the USA-ness, USA-ization, is it? Is that the word we're after? I, think, I mean, it's just an anus joke, really, but you can... Us-anus. Us-anus. Perfect. Right, let's hear from Ben. Take me on a trip. I'd like to go someday. Take me to New York. I'd love to see LA. I really want to come kick it with you. It's Estelle. Because you are our American boys. American boys. Fucking get out! <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that then. <laughs> I was wondering where it was going to go. That was the Kanye bit, wasn't it? At the end, at the end there. Mm. You said that like you've got no handle on pop I've, music, have I've, you? No, I didn't. It was about, no. Estelle and Kanye West did the song American Boy. I know, the, mm. I know that song, yeah, yeah but the, I thought you meant the fucking get in bit. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that wasn't on the song, was it? It's a B-side version. Oh, okay. It's the remix. Anyway. Uh, yeah, the Americans. I, I like the way that America is now latching onto Leeds. I think it's a great deal of fun. Like, because uh, I saw a tweet this morning, I think we retweeted it from the Squareball account, that we've been bumped up to like the uh, to the USA channel uh, mm. on Saturday for the Brighton game and then moving all the other piffling clubs, I think Man City, Liverpool, all, you know, the strugglers, um, mm. all those ones, onto Peacock as well, which is like the streaming service. So we get the TV coverage because such interest growing in uh, Jesse Marsh and the, and the American boys. We'll be reunited with Peter Drury on the comms. He's, he's taken over all the, um, I think it's NBC, he's doing the main US commentaries now. Who for many years was at Radio Leeds, wasn't he? Yeah, when yeah, we won the, the title in 1992, he was the voice of that. He was the proto-Adam Pope. Mm-hmm. He'll, have, he'll have done two Leeds title wins 30 years apart. Imagine that. Be good, won't it? What an experience for him. I was going to say on the USA-ness, um, mm-hmm. Isaac has sent this tape in. Just wanted to point out from an American perspective that uh, the third best American on the pitch today was wearing number 10 for Chelsea. Yep. Fourth, if you count Jackie Harrison. Yeah. All facts. From Stoke. All it, facts. Pulisic is interesting because he's not, even he's sort of a star in this country, but he's not like a big deal, is he? Particularly in the Premier League. But he's huge in America. He's, he, even though he's, is he the poster even boy? though he's like 22, 23, people reckon he's the best player they've ever had, which is kind of a big deal. So if we've got... It's going to be Brendan Aronson. I was going to say, if we have... He's more wholesome. The actual... He's younger. Why is he more wholesome? He's just got lovely... He's, he's, like, he's apple pie wholesome, is Aronson, isn't he? I was looking at his massive face on the northeast corner oh. before the game. Which they've got... Say, the, he doesn't have a massive no, face. No, he's got, he's got quite a small... Well, when it's got, on the side of a stand. These are the banners that adorn the, side, the outside of the stand, yeah. So young looking. Yeah. Remember when... Just to think about other other kind of young young stars, like Ryan Edmondson when he was 16 and he came in the team. looked like a... Look like a big old man. Yeah. So was Charlie Creswell. He's a perfect example, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Aronson, just every bit of him screams that he's uh, like 15 years well, old. But do you see yeah, the? Um, sorry, Moscow. I was just going to say, did you see the uh, the post match interviews when he was? I think he was chatting to Harrison, but then they did also the tunnel cam as well. And he's just walking around with a shirt. He's probably one of the smaller shirts. It just seems to be like hanging off him. It's like you know when uh, is it the film uh, Big Tom Hanks where they do the mm. body swap, child to man, man to child, and all that. And it's when you see the kid in the in the suit. You know, and it's just like flapping off him like that. Like your little kid's first day of secondary well, school kind of thing. We have in the past likened his style a bit to Lee Bowyer. And the mm. it, that was his classic look, wasn't it? That he always looked like his shirt was was massive on him. I know that was more the style at the time, yeah. but Bowyer in particular, it looked like you could have fitted two of them in there. Yeah. That was all Puma's sizing, though. And like, Nike, all and Nike, Nike, Nike well. yeah, yeah. yeah. The 1997 shirts in particular, though, were like this, <laughs> um, even in small. It's but, been very generous to anybody who's hitting middle age around now. We have said mm. this before, like the Nike, the size of the Nike shirts, the Champions League gear shirts, uh, because they still are wearable. <laughs> like, yeah, whereas I think the current size is some faults. 
some faults with them. Yeah, if you put if you stack up like the um, the more modern shirts, you can you can overlay them on the like the Nike shirts, mm-hmm. can't you? And they look like about, about two or three times as big, which is good. Good for the retro market. Anyway, um, moving on to a new era, aren't we now? And this is what Philip had to say. All right, lads. Uh, last time I sent in a recording, it was after Bielsa left, and it was just grief central. But if that performance today is any signal of what we're going to get for the rest of the season and for the rest of March, bring it on. That was unbelievable. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Marsh spoke of validation, didn't he, in the wake of this game? And you kind of see what it what he meant by that in terms of proving to the players, to the fans, maybe even to himself a bit that all this um, has the potential to work. To go back to the Bielsa stuff, it did feel like a, a kind of a breakup or a bereavement or something at the time. And it feels like that was the if that was the breakup, this is the kind of, oh, actually, I can still have fun. Like this is, I've got a new girlfriend and this is actually really yeah, good. And she's dead nice. This, maybe, this, maybe this is fine. Maybe life isn't over for me. You know, it's like a, it did feel like a fresh start because I know last season was, it was pretty much grim the whole time, wasn't it? It was yeah. watching Bielsa fail, then it was watching Marsh succeed, but in a way that somehow until the very last minute felt like failure still because it was yeah. going, it was so, such a grind just watching us well, play. I was ch- chatting to somebody via text last night about this and like um, we were talking about even like the Norwich win, which was so joyous, you know, that last minute um, win. But that was even that was even like it was viewed through the prism of stress, wasn't it? It was relief from stress rather than actual just unbridled joy, which is what it felt like on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, we didn't last season. We kind of need to go over it again too much, but we didn't play well in the those games. We went from not being able to do one manager's plan to not being able to do another manager's plan. Now you can see how well it can work. You look back at last season and sort of see how difficult changing a manager in March like the problems that creates for the incoming manager trying to do what he wants to do when he can't sign any players, he hasn't got enough time to work with them. Um, so the when we talk about that being a gamble and kind of 
uh, getting away with it in the end. That was the the boardroom aspect of them deciding, um, getting to March and deciding that's the moment to make the the change. I think with um, Marsh, it was always I can remember the first podcast we did after he was appointed was always I never thought he was going to be a bad manager going forward. It was always kind of his football will probably be fine and it will probably be exciting because of what it's done at Salzburg and New York and should not. Um, I thought he would, it would be good enough to keep us up and it actually turned out to be a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. And into this season, mid-table, like, should not be difficult with starting again with him. It was just always, the way it ended was always just a massive problem. And now we're starting to to see, it's making more sense now of kind of the... uh, how it follows from Bielsa and how it fits with the football Elland Road responds to. Yeah. Um, because all you could see last season in the towards the end of it were the differences from Bielsa's football. Now he's had more time. You can see the similarities. But it's just, you know, if you ask me any point, any team, any club, should they change a manager in March, I would say still... No, because it's such a huge gamble and it's such a risk. And, and there is risk with staying with somebody as well. But, you know, it should have been done earlier than that if it was going to be done or not done. But that's never been on um, Jesse Marsh. What was on Jesse Marsh was that he didn't make it look better than he did last season. But there were so many reasons for that. The pressure. Yeah, which, which we, now, had to we, do. we can now see them, can't we? We could see it at the time. I don't think anybody was... It, it raised severe doubts about what, what he would be capable of doing. But you all, it was always with the knowledge of the situation he'd been put, he'd, well, he'd chosen to put himself into reluctantly. <laughs> I was going to say reluctantly. Yeah. yeah. So he, he knew how difficult it was going to be. We knew how it was difficult it was going to be. That was why, that's always what it comes down to. It's like what a fucking risk it was knowing how difficult it was going to be. And yeah, during those weeks, there was nothing happening but that made you think, well, this is, this is going better than we thought it would until the end when we, we stayed up. Um, but it was always about, the idea that, like, if we'd never seen him last season and, you know, that fantasy land, so if Bielsa had stayed and kept us up and Jesse Marsh came in in the summer, you would be thinking, like, decent appointment, let's go for it, his football will probably be, um, I've always said, the excitement will be there, it will be a very different style and not to everybody's um, taste who enjoyed the way we played before. So, but it's doing now what you'd hoped it would do. I think as well, on the pitch, it's been important to see Adams and Aronson doing so well as well because that's they are essentially the, I know they play slightly different positions but they are the Rafinha and the Phillips replacements and actually if you look at Adams he makes a lot more sense than Phillips did at the end of last season like you wouldn't if you if you could only see the Marsh era of Phillips and the Marsh era of Adams you would say Adams was the better player by an absolute mile because Phillips was never it never quite worked for him it was a different system he was never fully fit within it and Rafinha and Aronson as well like it felt like Rafinha was kind of a one in a, a million player and we might not get anyone as good as that for ages. And I don't and long term, I don't know if Aronson will be as good, but he can still leave a thirty million quid defender on his arse and mug a goalkeeper that Chelsea have spent I don't know how much they've spent on him, probably another thirty million. They, see, they just spend that much on everyone. And what they? you do see with Aronson is how he functions within the system as well as a whole. Mm. Whereas Rafinha, you don't necessarily he was just a well, he was an enigma, wasn't long he? Throws. He was, so we miss his long throws. That's it. I mean it's not but so such much, a brilliant uh, it's such a brilliant footballer, he did the work, but you see how Aronson fits, don't you? Like, it works. Well, that's it. Rafinha, when he played for Brazil, we talked about last season, you could see he was immediately just on the touchline. He went even wider than he played 
the lead and then anything I've seen Sorry, of him. Sorry, did you see the weekend that he went so far over the touchline onto the bench? Um, no, I didn't. At the weekend, yes. yeah, yeah. But, was, but when I've seen him at Barcelona so far in pre-season, right out on the, the chalk, and that's just not what Jesse wants from a, a player, from an attacking player. It's He wants them inside, um, which is why he ended up at wing-back, because that's where the width is from. It's like, well, if he suits playing wide. So that's how kind of how weird it was getting last season. And there was, there's not really any way. You'd have to be old Mother Shipton to have been watching you know, Rafinha taking long throws from right wing back and Calvin Phillips toiling <laughs> around midfield as we lost to Arsenal because we were down to 10 men in a, yet another game where we had a player sent off and think, this is all going great, can't wait for next season. We just needed to get through it and got through it and now here we are. Yes, and back to the tapes then that have been sent in. Nathan has been on. Well, that was fucking brilliant. <laughs> biggest win, biggest performance um, in front of fans at home we've had since uh, beating Huddersfield back in the Championship. For, for the benefit of our, our recently converted American fans, um, the Championship is a, a shit-old division below the Premier League that we dossed around in for far too many years, always finishing 15th. And the Huddersfield are a, a bunch of bastards down the road who have far too close relationships with, with dogs. Brilliant performance, thought it was superb, thoroughly deserved. Everyone played well. And yeah, Thomas Tuchel complained that... Um, we weren't, they were the better side and, and all the rest of it. I think he just needs to go home and sit in his cupboard with his collection of children's shoes, have a good, good long hour to think about himself and his life choices. His own children's his, shoes. Yeah, alleged uh, shoes. <laughs> and let, let's not get Unproven. Even, let's not even get into the dog stuff. You can, if, you, if you are new in American and you're joining us, you know, you're a new Leeds fan, ask someone else to explain it to you. <laughs> just um, start by looking at Huddersfield Town's uh, mascot and club badge and then it's work. And join the dots. Work on from there. But um, yeah, I mean, it needs saying, doesn't it? Fuck the coronavirus. Fuck's sake. It did deny Honestly. us. It did deny us so much and I didn't realise yeah. it at the time because we, we kind of, I think we talked ourselves into believing, well, this is a unique experience. We'll remember forever. It's like bargaining with yourself, wasn't well, it, was, it? Well, it was still the best thing at the time. Yeah. Because there was, Fuck all else to do. And watching Leeds be brilliant on a Saturday was still really good fun, even if it was on telly. But look at look at what that atmosphere was like. But it doesn't stick with you. Look at what that atmosphere was like on Sunday. And now imagine if we'd been there for the trophy lift. Fucking hell. Yeah. And Man City away is the other big one as well. I think we even, that was the one where uh, pandemic patience snapped. Because Stuart Dallas running over to a completely empty corner of the stadium it's just it's not fair, you know, is it? And if you'd pictured like in any of those games, like Bielsa pelvic thrusting with a <laughs> a completely empty stand behind him, it's just not not the same. And who knows how he would have reacted if there'd been ten thousand fans on his shoulder? Maybe would we would have seen a bit more imagine, animation from him. Imagine but. Marcelo in tight jeans. He's a tracksuit man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's reached an age where he, he just wants the comfort. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with an elasticated waistband. Good jeans these days are built with elastic mm. in them, as we as we well know, Michael. I mean, don't, I, uh, don't forget the quality of his calves, though. That's true. I remember he was like the his the way he used to squat was very impressive for a man of his age. Yes. So he had his own uh, his own style, but um, it is a shame that that first season back in the Premier League wasn't like Saturday because mm. there were there were games Sunday. during that season. Sunday. There were games during that season that might have felt like this if we'd been there, and it is, and it's nobody's fault apart from the fucking virus. So. Even, even when you can't be at the game, just seeing it on telly makes it so much better Having as well. A crowd there, yeah. yeah, it's it really does completely make it. If the if COVID taught us anything about football, it's that it's basically meaningless. I, I didn't struggle to watch Leeds games during it because I still cared, mm. but any sort of neutral game I put on, it was a bit like. Pfft. 
the, cr- the crowd can't give, noise. Can't give a shit. Putting the stupid crowd noise on in the but background. Then it was better than having no crowd yeah, noise because yeah. having having it completely silent and being able to play players just oh, yeah. too short, just going ref, ref, ref all day. But Pathetic. It, it kind of helps explain Elland Road and the away fans as well for a lot of last season as well of how supportive that was all the way to the end. Mm. Yeah. Because it, I think, just the the will to have something like what we got against Chelsea even though it just wasn't turning out that way once we were back in, nobody wanted to be. It's funny, you, you see how quickly scum fans turned, you know, Eric Ten Hag is the devil after, oh no, they like devils, don't they? He's terrible after two matches because he can't get a tune out of fucking Cristiano Ronaldo and they're going to go and burn Old Trafford down again. But then they beat Liverpool and so everybody's happy again and none yeah. of it matters. Yeah. Um, and it's so fickle, whereas I think the post-pandemic Ellen Road seems to have had more of a sense of like appreciating what we've got and wanting to make the most of it. So even when we were losing game after game last season, it was still like just the fact that it was still um, this legendary manager and we wanted it to succeed. Whereas like how quickly it would have turned it at Old Trafford or somewhere. I'm just casting my mind back to the Everton game, the first game back post-pandemic. It was the first chance we had to sing champions to the players and a bunch of them had left and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyway, on the um, the first year back here, Zach. That game against Chelsea really reminded me of some of our matches from the first season back in the Premier League against the big boys, the supposed top six. Just the way we managed to control the match with front foot defence, really putting the opposition on the back foot while they had the ball so much closing down up top. And then when we got the ball, we were so direct, so sharp, and really, really looked like a cohesive unit. Nice to have another one from the colonies there. The colonies postal service Mm -hmm. is uh, still working effectively, bringing the tapes in. Thank you, Zach. I think the difference is from last year when it didn't feel like we could beat anyone besides fairly crap teams, did it? I mean, like looking, looking at last season, actually, took us until the 30th of November to get our second home win of the season. And they were against Watford, who were, absolutely terrible and Palace who were alright mid-table very much mid-table probably will be again but this felt different and beating, even beating Wolves at home felt like a bigger result than either of those two yeah I think not to belabor comparisons but when Bielsa's football was at its best was when we were in the championship with better players than most of the other clubs and that's when you know our defence used, we used to measure um, how many touches the opposition had in our penalty area and we would get through a game and they might have two like we were so much stronger uh, and we managed to keep that momentum into the first season of the Premier League. What we look like now is much more effective underdog football. Like this makes better use of players not being as good as Chelsea's players and not being as good as Liverpool's players in the cold kind of lighter day. And it's a bit of, in the nicest possible sense, it's got some of that Wimbledon 1980s attitude about it of giving bloody noses and it's it's good for where we are and that's what like, the crowd feeds off that as well it is yeah. and that's the comparison with the O'Leary era as well because the O'Leary era kind of snuck up on us we didn't I don't think we signed Darren Huckabee and Danny Mills and Eric Backer expecting to qualify for the Champions League it all just kind of started clicking it just happened didn't it yeah and we started just beating Liverpool and beating well beating Scum was difficult but taking Arsenal on and um, really uh, giving people bloody noses and even the Champions League run lost to Barcelona 4-0 in the first game and you're thinking oh well this is this is where we are but we started sort of proving ourselves and proving that you know Olivier Decor 
seven million. I can't remember like, how much Patrick Vieira would have cost to buy at the time, um, but we could outplay them with Decor and Batty against Vieira and ooh, Petit Ray Parler. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Petit. Um, so we we're taking on all these incredibly strong teams, and it's got the same feeling of uh, uh, yeah. Underdog football is a good, um, and it's weird because well, it's crystallised Moscow in the forty to sixty percentage um, possession percentage yeah. at, uh, on Sunday. Like we only had forty percent, but it felt like we dominated the whole thing. Yeah, and so it, it kind of it, you know, fast forward fifteen years when we are winning the Champions League, you can sort of see why this style sort of got didn't work at Old Trafford last season because if you're trying to convince dickheads like Cristiano Ronaldo, no, you are not going to be in possession, stroking the ball around expressing yourself and showing the world that you're a Ballon d'Or winner you're going to be tackling the goalkeeper and putting the ball in from an inch like players at that level unless they've got a really probably odd mentality for that level aren't going to be interested in doing that you, well you saw it to a certain extent in Chelsea on Sunday they didn't really know how to deal with it did they? and they also didn't look arsed yeah. like, they didn't look like they wanted to, to try and compete with us at that so it's a weird thing about football is kind of the better players you get the less they'll be interested in playing like this. So how can we, you know, if we want to have a decade with Jesse Marsh, how do we maintain this kind of perfect business of really good players, improving the players, but keeping them with this intensity and uh, commitment? And there's probably only in this country, Jurgen Klopp, who's managed it at Liverpool to manage to move from just gegenpressing to then actually we have players who are really, really good at building in possession as well. It'd be interesting it's to see how, how it pans out, but let's let's enjoy the journey, shall we? Um, well, if it's all the way to the, the, it will the Champions League, then we can salute David Hockaday for the part he plays in it at last. Well, we can march into the San Siro, win there again, which we did before, I seem to recall. Mm, something yeah, like that, yeah. yeah. Very close to a win. Sort of Felt a like win. a win. And leave Charles de Ketelet crying on his mummy's shoulder. Um, we have a midfield now, which is good, and Miggy Pablo wants to celebrate it. What I think the really kind of big takeaway from the game is we've now got a midfield, which I felt we haven't had in a long time. We have, you know, bringing on Forshaw, bringing on, uh, bringing on Click. You know, we just absolutely control the game, and I just thought it was brilliant. It was. It was good fun. Having options on the bench is quite nice. Yeah. Rather than looking at it and going, hopefully, but, hopefully none of them have to come on. You still see they're all kids. You do still see a bit of this kind of the angst that surrounds like the idea of having a small squad when people are talking about transfers. Like, so if we buy so-and-so, well, where's so-and-so going to play? And what about so-and-so's development? And it's kind of all, just compete for a place in the squad. It's fine to have a squad. Lots of clubs do it. The midfield is infinitely better than it was last season. It was a constant worry. And um, Tyler Adams is obviously never going to get injured either. No, absolutely. Is it, it will be interesting to see what happens because he will inevitably have a bit of time out with a suspension or an injury or whatever. Both him and Aronson, it's interesting to see how we plug their gaps at the at the moment because they've been they seem to have been so vital to the system and our performances so far. I'm already a bit worried about them. Well not, it kind of leads us into fit. the next question that we've got that's been sent in by Bacon. So let's play this because I guess it kind of feeds into the transfer talk as well, doesn't it? Quick question around Rodrigo. Um we clearly are searching for a new striker. Um, but we've got Rodrigo scoring for fun. He was signed as a, a nine, we believe. He clearly doesn't like playing as a 10. He's played there for the last two years for us um, and he's been terrible. Um, he obviously prefers playing as a nine. He's scoring lots of goals. So I'm just wondering whether we do need to go and buy a new striker or whether Rodrigo could do a job in that role. What are your thoughts? Another one from afar. 
These types are getting in quick, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I don't, I, well, I don't South know, Africa. Actually, South, South Africa. Africa yeah. I can never tell South Africa and New Zealand. I'd, I'd have said South Africa, but New Zealand's got a weird sort of Actually, yeah, you're it. right. Yeah, yeah. So, apologies to the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> you're from somewhere down there. I mean, I, I struggle to, to differentiate like Barnsley to Rotherham accents and stuff as well. So, yeah, he seems to be a striker now, doesn't he? And, and quite good at it. It might be. Should we buy might, another anyway? Might be New Zealand. <laughs> it's strange. Marsh's concentration seems to be another striker to balance the squad. But then he talked to him about a left back in his press conference. He's just like, nah. Yeah. I like held a strike. I'm like, none of those are left backs, mate. But then strike, oh, I really want strikers. Like, you've got loads of strikers. Because we don't have loads of strikers. We've got, but we have, um, I sort of, I, I worry more about left back than I do in attack. And I know maybe it's a game about scoring goals. So I'm wrong. I've got it, everything the wrong way around. But Bamford and then Rodrigo. I know everybody hates Dan James there, but whatever, get over it. Joffy Gellhart. And then you're dipping into the Greenwood. I know he's a midfielder now, but can play as a striker. Matteo Joseph, Sonny Perkins, you know. I mean, all... sell some, if anything. Well, kind of, because it is that question of like, how do you funnel all these players into what is essentially one spot? And that's always the difficulty, and we've talked about it. Like, how do you find this mythical player who's going to be happy to sign never get in ahead of Bamford or why don't, we just, why don't we just sign someone better than all of them yeah well that's I mean maybe that's the the Kettle mm. thing as well with him being able to play lots of different positions as well but then um, I guess that's where so the earlier thing about how we cope with Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams for the the performances they're putting in look vital but Adam Forshaw I think will work well in what we're doing just from the little bits I saw in pre-season and then against Chelsea he looked fine and um, Sinistera Dan James Harrison Rodrigo can drop back um, who am I forgetting we've got players in the mix of that three who can do it with a different style Aronson obviously looks like the best at it um, but that's it is you if you lose your best player then you have problems anyway that's I, I believe it was uh, our American friend JFK who said the time to mend the roof is when the sun is shining and I just hope that's the approach that they take in this kind of closing week of the of the transfer market. Because I, I, I realise that there is an issue of you don't want to have people knocking around your training ground and in your squad who are not getting games. But it is a long season and I do hope that they can find that forward who does fit the bill, who can play maybe across the front line. So I do, I do get to a certain extent the, the caution around just going in there and buying somebody for the sake of it and they're looking for somebody who kind of fits that bill like the Ketelet who could play anywhere across like mm-hmm. the centre forward or in behind or whatever or wide. Surely you look at that on Sunday and think, well, if we can find that player, surely the right thing to do here is to bring them in and give ourselves the best chance because it's just the chance just to kick on that little bit further up the Premier League. Then mm. maybe you start to get ideas of Europe or whatever it might be. I said before, like, I think it was the was it the Phil Hayes show I said last week, you know, goals basically elevate you up the table in this division. The goals to points ratio is actually, it's about one point. Your new favourite favorite thing is this. It's, it's wild though because it does track. It does track. So if, if you score 10 more goals, if you put 10 more goals into that squad, seven more goals or whatever, it's, it's huge returns. George Graham disagrees from the past. George Graham is wrong. <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's just a bit of a unicorn, isn't it? Trying yeah, to find yeah. that perfect player and then you've got to factor in as well. Scouting takes time. Like mm. you, you can have all the data analysts you want to sign a player you want to see them play a certain number of times and if it's down to trying to find a new player from from this point you want to see them play three games have they got the fixtures are they going to be in the team 
can you get more than video? Can you fly out to see them? There's a lot, you know, we, we kind of, um, there are, there are probably hundreds of players who could fit the bill, but how do you actually physically go and watch them all and get the right one is the This is true, but then again, question. That you about that question, not at us though, because it's just an open question, isn't it? But you say to Victor Ross or any scouting department, have you been proactive enough? And hopefully they have. And we'll see. We'll see over the next week. There's no point getting caught up on it again. Well, that's probably, yeah, it's the fact that the the player then doesn't turn up because they talk about having, yeah, what the plan is after. They have three for every position. And if all the, none of those three are available, what's what's their next move is kind of the thing that's um, a question. It's funny, I was reading about Brighton in preparation for playing them. And I don't know who, I can't remember who it was, but they signed a striker for, I think signed him for six million a couple of seasons ago and they were willing to pay three times as much, but they got him at the end of his contract. And the first and basically the only thing he did at Brighton was one of the other players kind of accidentally kicked him as they were going out the tunnel for a warm-up, one of his teammates. And he turned around and had a massive go at him and started scrapping with him when he was like before his debut. And then he played the match and he was rubbish. And then he just loaned him straight out. I think he went to, uh, um, I can't remember where he went, but then he had two knee injuries. And he's just been an absolute fiasco. So it's kind of like, it was, I was reading that and thinking like, that's how badly it can go wrong. And Brighton, it was interesting because Brighton have that reputation for being very, very good at yeah, finding players. That's true. Um, and they actually are, um, their summer's work at the moment is moving on massive amounts of deadwood. Is it Matt Clark as well, the defender that they paid £5 million for and they've just loaned him to the championship every single time. And the reason given, again, in this roundup of players they're trying to get rid of was he's never been good enough in possession to play Graham Potter's football. So why did you pay five million for him? Apparently perfect professional, brilliant. I think he was at Derby for one of their seasons, but so they've just loaned him to the championship every year. They've owned him. And I guess that's one way of doing it is you sign a player and just loan them out, but they're yours and you can have them back at some point. But also Brighton, the whole Dan Ashworth, director of football thing, superb at identifying players, spend money on a defender who can't play. Idiots. You never know though, dear. That's the thing. You do never know until you get a player in. Like Rodrigo, yeah. I know he's he's talking about now him coming good. But for the last two seasons, if anyone was trying to convince you he was a success, you would have said they were lying, essentially. You'd have been like, well, what what do you expect for signing Spain's number nine for 30 million quid? You expect 15 to 20 goals probably, don't you? Or if, if you accept he's playing them all with drawn position, 15 to 20 assists or something. At least a lot of goal contributions. And we haven't really had it. But maybe if he is a nine now. I mean, it depends as well how good the club actually think Joseph and Perkins are. If they think that in a in a pinch they can come in and do an all right job. I mean, then we might see him against Barnsley, in which case it'll mm, give us a yeah, so we may, we it'll give know. us some way to judge them, I suppose. But it still feels to me like if we're now seeing Rodrigo as a striker and you've got Rodrigo Bamford and Joffe as established first team strikers, buy someone else. Let's hear this then from Daniel. So happy to see Rodrigo actually earn his price tag. <laughs> Top goal scorer in the league as well. And Michael thought he was stealing and living. Well, to be fair, he has been up some now, but I mean, it's been great to watch him. Also, Brendan Aronson, I mean, he's way better than I thought he'd be. Uh, I think everyone is. And Jackie just every season getting better and better. Uh, Rasmus looked a lot better today, so that's good. Uh, other than that, I think the team played very well, and also Chelsea were just muck. I'm delighted to see Thomas Tuchel's miserable face at the end of it all. I can't wait to hear all the excuses he bangs out. Good enough for them. Feck the Chelsea scum. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Thank you, Daniel. There's plenty of uh, Tuchel hate to come. Should we, should we pile into a little bit more from yeah. James then? James wants to have a go at Chelsea. We're all over him the whole game. I mean, Chelsea had their, a couple of little good pieces of play, but they were fucking pathetic. <laughs> I mean, for a team as expensive as they are, if I was their fans, I'd be shitting my pants for this season. 
Not us, though. Marching up the table. Man, what a game. Tyler Adams was fantastic. Brendan Aronson was fantastic. The whole team was just on fire. You can see what the tactics are now, and they are working like a bloody charm. That's definitely South Africa. <laughs> yes, is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. Uh, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah. This is all we can say about Sunday. It was dead good. I mean, he, he does drop in the one element of risk is like, are other teams going to be as bad as them? No, that's true. So Can't I think all be as pathetic as Chelsea. I would have been very optimistic about us beating Scum playing like that until somehow they beat Liverpool last night, mm. which I didn't see. But now I'm very optimistic about us beating Liverpool. It was quite funny, um, yeah, weirdly. Yeah. But we need to, uh, I think there's an element, it's not to diminish anything that we did in the game, but catching teams in the mood that Chelsea were in will definitely help. So close down Leeds Bradford Airport the day before every Premier League fixture so that nobody can fly. And what it ultimately boils down to is, does it work often enough? That's the question. And when you see it work against someone like Chelsea, it gives you confidence in the system to think, yeah, actually, this can give us a good opportunity to do this more often across the course of the season because we will lose games. There'll be games where it won't work. There'll be games where it looks like it looked like at Palace away last year, which was just dreadful and it'll be completely ineffectual. It'll happen. But the plan for this season, though, truthfully, is probably if it works 10 times. Exactly. Mm, exactly that. Everyone's happy enough with that. Yeah, which, it's, all, it's all it needs to be. Which does mean losing... 28 games or, or not winning 28 games which which is the downside of it but it looks so far like it's going to be better than that and, and, things, and what we've said before like football is about moments about days isn't it and I know that no matter which way this season goes now I'm going to remember Sunday that Sunday game against Chelsea for a long time because it was a brilliant day out it was if a, it, we end up relegated you won't feel like that no we're, we're not going down though now in Moscow no do you, think Luke, do you think Luke remembers it uh, from the first clip <laughs> and <laughs> Probably not. Um, he remembers how he felt. He might not remember the details, but he'll remember it was a fucking that great That is true. Day. Some, somebody once said that to me. It's not what you say to people, it's how you make them feel. And Leeds United made us all feel. It made us feel special. Very good. Yes. Let's close out the show on this clip. Can we Can we say this name? Uh, Levi Solicitors advised not. Thomas Tuchel, redacted, redacted, redacted. That's the the beauty of today's win is that sometimes you win a football match because... The other team's shit and you're just a bit less shit. And we've certainly had our share of those kind of wins towards the end of last season. But today was a whole new level. Chelsea came out with intensity and purpose and speed. And we said, yeah, great. We love to play with intensity and purpose and speed. And we took a team that were at the top of their game and turned them into a walking pile of shit. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you very much, Thomas Tuchel. Redacted, redacted, redacted. That was, uh, we can't say that, but no, but you get the idea. Yeah, it's an allegation we're not prepared to stand by. Uh, that's it then for the clips. It was a great weekend, a great day out, and there's more fun to come. Plenty of Chelsea, plenty yeah. of Chelsea. This has gone for about an hour now. This this show. Yeah, so this is this is basically you've gone to the restaurant, you've sat down, you've had a lovely, delicious starter. It's been a very big starter though. Yeah, yeah. I'm worried I'm going to be too. I'm worried I'm going to be too full. Well, let's give it a little bit of time to go down. Then mm. you can digest it. Maybe have a chat to your friends, glass of wine. Maybe not in the case of Jack. Was it Jack who opened the show? <laughs> Get on the water, rehydrate. He's 18, he's hangovers, yeah, will, his hangovers will be alright. He'll be absolutely fine. And then we'll come back with the main course, the, the Chelsea half of propaganda, in the next 24 hours or so. So uh, enjoy listening to this again. Go back again. Jack, have another pint maybe. And we'll speak to you on that show. We'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.